in everyone to a fantastic new episode of Whisper in the Wings from Stage Whisper. We have a fantastic show to share with you today. A very unique show, if you will, to share with you. And three great artists joining us to share that with you. We have the co-creators joining us with the show, The Motor Company's Presentation of River Watchers. It's playing October 19th through the 29th in Newtown Creek. Tickets and more information are available at themotorcompanynyc.com. And those three co-creators also wear other hats as well. So, of course, we also have the director, Dina Vavsi, the playwright, Dan Caffrey, and the performer and canoe consultant, Jens Rasmussen. All of these wonderful artists have come to talk to us today about their show and about how amazing the experience is. And I want to definitely emphasize the experience because this is a show like none other you're going to see in New York. So let's go ahead and welcome on our guest today, Dina, Dan, Jens. Welcome to Whisper in the Wings from Stage Whisper. Hello. Great to be here. Thanks for having us. We did that all in a sequence. It was nice. Like no one was overlapping each other. It was so cute. You're all hired. We're just going to have you do everyone's interview from now on. Nice. I am so excited to have all of you here and to be talking about your show, River Watchers, because not only is this like a great story, like that's out the gate, we're check the boxes there, but the way you're presenting the story is absolutely incredible. So first, I would love to start, Dan, with you in having you tell our listeners a bit about what the story is of the show is about, if I could. Sure. So if you come see the show, uh, which hopefully you do and are able to, you are joining two characters on a bit of a covert top secret mission to help save the creek, which has been ravaged by a lot of pollution over the years and a delayed EPA cleanup that I'll, I'll let Jens and Dina talk more about. So yeah, once you're there, you are in the canoe with them, a big 14 person canoe, and you are going on a jaunt down the creek. I don't want to see too much about what you'll be asked to do, but you will you will have to paddle, I can say that, and maybe tasked to do one other thing to help these characters save the creek. And you have to see whether or not it works also, or maybe what the definition is of saving a creek, if that makes sense. That is fantastic. Now, Jens, I do want to bring you on as not only the performer, but the canoe consultant. I love that title. And I kind of want to ask, you know, what what makes this show special, re, you know, regarding all of this from a regular show and kind of what can our listeners expect when they go without giving too much away? I think, well, obviously what makes it special is that you are, the theater is this 30 foot canoe. The, basically the entire show happens on, on, on that confined space and the scenery is Newtown Creek at night, which Newtown Creek at any time is an interesting place, but at night it is otherworldly to say the least. And so we not only have Dan's words, but we have that sort of post-apocalyptic hellscape to transport us to another time. And again, Dan's Dan's words are amazing, but the creek, especially for people who have not been there before, it, it is oddly beautiful, but also un, unnerving. And so 
the the whole show i hope and think it ha has this sort of strange beauty and eeriness i love that Ooh, it makes me excited to see this dan i do want to jump back to you and ask you know what was the inspiration behind writing this show well, the honestly, the concept was Dina's. I didn't know what Newtown Creek was until Dina came to me earlier this year about a project she was proposing and had gotten some funding for. About uh, what well, you know, I'll pass it to Dina. What was your uh, inspiration behind wanting to write something about the creek and coming up with maybe the basic framework that uh, you gave me for the script? Of course, of course, and I'm very grateful that Dan accepted my pitch and a Mamoon's falafel to come on board and collaborate with our team. I so yeah, this 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 idea came to me, I'd say probably at this point a couple of years ago during the 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 kind of more dire times of the pandemic. Uh I I really started to find solace in in I I guess like activities and within communities that were worth were new to me that I hadn't really had the time or capacity or knowledge to explore otherwise. And there was this organization that I found out about that was in my neighborhood, in the neighborhood that both Jens and I live in, Greenpoint, that was just a couple of blocks from my house. And they had these open public paddles where anyone could just stop by and jump in a boat. And, you know, I, I grew up doing a lot of canoeing and kayaking with my family and and that sounded like a wonderful reprieve from my you know the confines of my one bedroom apartment so i jumped at the chance and i you know i ended up in this 30 foot boat with 13 other people that i didn't know and i just found that the act of paddling this thing together was really special and just felt like this really beautiful I don't know, this really beautiful gathering of people working to, to make something move together. And so that that feeling stuck with me for a while, for like a couple of years. And I kept thinking about it. And I was like, I feel like this needs to be, we need to like, I want to make a play in this boat. I want the audience to be in there. I want the audience to have to paddle to make the story move. And, and you know, I mean, it's like a wild concept. Like who who would say yes to this? Who would possibly be be able to kind of like logistically make it happen and then finally about a year ago i said okay like i think this is time i'm going to try to reach out to this organization like maybe somebody will help and and so i go to the website and i recognize this actor i'm like oh my god i know that guy i've seen him in plays and he you know i we, we know some people in common and i'm i seems like he's really involved in this organization and happened to be Jens. And so I reached out to him and kind of, you know, pitched my my proposal to him. And, and he immediately got very excited and shared with me that he'd already done a, a lot of different kinds of theatrical experiences on the water with the North Brooklyn Community Boathouse, which is the name of this wonderful organization, which Jens is also a founding member of. And that's kind of where the idea started. And then it blossomed into, you know, putting this like incredible creative team together and and creating this story in collaboration with Dan and Jens. That is fantastic. I love that. So Jens, kind of picking the ball up there from where she left off, what has it been like developing this piece and putting it together as you all begin to roll into your opening? It's been uh, amazing, honestly. It's been sort of a, a 
despite all the logistical and like, you know, you would think like, how the hell can you do this? It's been like easy. It's been, it, it, it's just, just been almost effortless. Like the way things, I, I don't know, maybe there were like 14 other drafts that Dan didn't share with us, but like basically the, you know, like Dina talked with Dan and we took a trip on the Creek and like out came the play, like, like to me, in my eye, you know, like fully formed and like just incorporating all, all, all these crazy ideas that we had shared. And, and, and Dina's right. I had, I had done these like canoe haunted canoe paddles with the, with the boathouse in previous years before the pandemic and but there were always things that I I wanted more of or, or 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 I wanted to to do that I was never able to and like we're getting to do some of those things in this piece because of Dina and Dan so I and and like it just it just happened honestly like magic to me that is wonderful wonderful Dan, as the playwright, is there a message or a thought you're hoping the audiences will take away from the show? Yeah, definitely. I I think when it comes to, I'm hesitant to use this word because I think it's so broad, but I think when it comes to like political theater or any kind of theater that has some kind of socio-political message, which this one definitely does, I think it's really easy to fall into some kind of binary. Like this thing is good, this thing is bad, do this, don't do this, which I'm never really interested in. I'm more interested in capturing what does it feel like as an everyday human to deal with these big overwhelming forces. Obviously the play deals with environmentalism and climate change and pollution and industrialization and all that. I don't want to say that it presents solutions to any of those things. I mean, who can present solutions for those things, let alone in a play, but I do hope it presents a realistic idea of what it feels like to grapple with those things as a human. And what are some, smaller ways that we can psychologically navigate all that just from a mental health perspective, if that makes sense. What does it look like to work through some of those things in your own day, in your own life and arrive at a conclusion with them or a way to, to just work through them that maybe doesn't involve saving the world. Yeah. I, is it, I, does that make sense? Jens and Dina, I don't, once again, I don't want to give away an ending or an event or anything, but I would hope that the audience does walk away with maybe improvement and success and true change looks a little bit different than it looks on paper or in a summary. I love that. I love that. And a perfect cliffhanger too. Yeah. Right. Hopefully. Yeah. I'm, <laughs> I'm worried about spoiling too much, but yeah. But yeah, I think about a lot about that with theater. I, I'm not necessarily in seeing theater that tells me how to think or what to think as I am in theater that just helps you explore some of these issues that are maybe hard to explore in our everyday life. And this is one of the things that Dan's like is really successful in the play. The play doesn't, the play doesn't feel like environmental theater or because I, I mean, I'll admit I, I too have a, a prejudice against anything that smacks of that. It really, to, to, from, from my perspective with the, with the amount of work we've done into it without having any audiences yet, it, it really just feels like an adventure it feels it like it's so good. And then, yes, of course, there's like great, great things inside of it, but it, it, 
it like really stands on its own as like this this covert little adventure piece it's it's great like if it can feel that go ahead dan no no you no you did i I rambled no no and part of that i think also it, it, it is is kind of inspired by and and kind of enforced by the constraints of of the world in a way because you know we have these two characters and so and the the audience is really sandwiched in between them and so it's really about their relationship and their story and we happen we happen to be along for this mission along for the ride and so so how do you tell this story when you're confined to this small space and and what kind of feeling is going to be the most impactful to create and and it's it's kind of incredible because we have this intimacy that's kind of forced upon us and then how do we exist within that container I love all that. I think that's so wonderful. I want to wrap up this first part of the interview, Jens, with you and asking, who do you hope have access to the show? Well, anyone, everyone. Our producing partners, the Motor Company, are committed to to making theater accessible. So that's one of the reasons the the tickets are pay what you want or, or free. So... I'm hoping that we'll get lots of local community folks and yeah, you know, and, and non-traditional theater, you know, non-traditional audiences. That would be awesome. I think also a lot of our audience members are going to be experiencing this part of New York city for the very first time. Yeah. You know, we, we had our first rehearsal on the water last night and most of our creative team had also never been to the Creek and never seen anything that, that we saw last night. So I know that that's going to be very exciting to kind of bring this, this part of New York city. That's not only, not only feels hidden, but, but has in many ways been, been forgotten or, or pushed to kind of like the bottom by these, these higher forces of, of government and industry and really introducing that area and its history and what it's been through to folks that otherwise never would have known about it. I want to switch things up now for the second part of our interview and let our listeners kind of pull back the curtain and get to know the three of you a little bit better, more on a personal level. And I want to start by asking all of you, what or who inspires you? What playwrights, composers, or shows have inspired you in the past or just some of your favorites? And Dina, can I start with you first on that? Oh my goodness, sure. Well, I I will say it it feels you know, I'm thinking about it cuz I I was I, the first the first one that comes to my mind is very much true, but I was worried that it might not have a huge connection to to the work that we're making, but I actually I actually am unpacking that for myself and realizing that is not true. But I, you know, I'm I'm really really inspired by Emma Rice's work. She's a UK-based director and theater maker and she led the incredible company Nihai for many years and now is at the helm of a company called Wise Children. And she she really inspires me because she 
because of how collaborative she is, you know, and, and because that all of her work is ensemble generated and she is really interested in creating in a way that is is not this like traditional playwright director actor structure. So I, and I would say the first show of knee highs that I saw the wild bride uh, the images from that show are still completely burned into my brain. And I believe I believe that show I saw well over 10 years ago at St. Anne's Warehouse in Dumbo. That is a wonderful inspiration there. I I would like to know more about her. I'm going to have to look her up. Her, they, I believe they're, the last Wise Children production, Wuthering Heights, just finished touring in the U.S. And I believe the next one that's coming is Bluebeard. So I, I, I would urge you to go when it comes here. Love it. Well, Dan, what are who inspires you? It's it's funny because I'm kind of a like a pop culture junkie in many ways. And so I, I feel like I could say a million things. But in terms of theater, I think in terms of just sheer plotting and examining complex topics in a way I find interesting. Bruce Norris, uh, Downstate was one of my favorite things. I saw Player It's Horizons earlier this year. But I, this is a more of a Real basic ass answer, but it's very much true. I saw the revival of Little Shop of Horrors, I don't know, a couple months ago, and I was like blown away. And I was just reminded about how much I love that show and the fact that it definitely has an element of spectacle to it, but it doesn't look so realistic that we forget it's a play or that we forget it's paying homage to B movies. I think it's just this perfect example of how to make something fun, still a little bit grisly, and also still kind of show the cables and the wires. Like it, it was just everything I wanted it to be. And, you know, I don't know, maybe I'm not, I wish I had like a more hip answer, but I, I was just so moved by it and it was so fun. And the audience was all on the same page and it was just like fist pumps after every song. I love the plant that has puppets in it. And yeah, I like if there can be spectacle, but not so much that we forget it's a play, if that makes sense. Yes. Jens, what or who inspires you? I don't know if this is cheating, but but uh, as I was thinking about it, it's honestly it's it's my collaborators, you know, people like Dina and Dan, Tamala Woodard and Layla Buck, and they share the these these are these are artists that you know sh- share this sort of aesthetic that that Dina was talking about this super collaborative state the the this way of working. I had similar experiences with. Aaron Posner and I've just I, I just feel really fortunate that you know over the last I don't know decade or, or or so like I've just have had so many great experiences with with artists that that work that way but in terms of well I, I by all reports this is uh, Mark Rylance also works uh, that way and really creates a collaborative a collaborative room uh, and he uh, as a performer is you know one of my absolute idols for sure. That is a wonderful list to have as well. Love it. Well, have any of you seen any theater lately that you might be able to recommend to our listeners? Yeah, I mean, definitely. Let me, I'm somewhat biased because these are, these people are my friends, but Danny Tejera's play, Tauros, he also went to grad school with me. And so I saw, I saw that go through so many different revisions over the past few years. And I was really blown away with the draft he ended up with. And there are some very challenging staging conventions in that that 
he and the director, I, I thought accomplished quite beautifully and in ways that very much play into the themes of the play. I was very blown away by Toros. My friend, uh, Renee Simone Jarrett, she has a play called Daphne going up right now at LCT3 that I haven't seen yet, but I know the script. I saw a reading of it at Club Thumb that was beautiful, and I know the work from seeing her revise that. I, I think I really do marvel at other writers when I've seen the revision process and I see how just how much better they can make their script and how much more mysterious they can make it and how much more fulfilling. So even though I haven't seen Daphne, I'm really stoked too in just a few weeks. And yeah, I, I really enjoyed Toros. Like I said, I know I'm, I'm kind of cheating because they're my friends, but also I wouldn't be, I wouldn't just say that it was good if I didn't think it was good. So yeah, those are, the, those are two that really come to mind and just seeing the inner workings of both of those processes. I love that. And there's no cheating. We're all friends here. That's how the theater works. Yeah. Everyone in the theater is friends, right? That's yeah, I will say this. I mean, this production is is it's no longer running, but I will say I was really struck by the production of The Doctor that I saw at the Park Avenue Armory, directed by Robert Ick. I just, you know, I, I do think he's a brilliant director, and I just thought that his use of 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 especially sound. I mean, they had there was a live a live drummer that is visible above the proscenium throughout the entire production. That's live underscoring the entire play. And I just thought it was such a brilliant, brilliant choice and was such like an incredible layer of, of added rhythm and tension that drove the whole thing forward. And I just, I just thought that play was, a, well, that adaptation is like a really, really interesting unpacking of kind of the ethics around medicine and science and religion and how all of those different institutions collide and conflict yes absolutely i heard great things about that well we've arrived now at my favorite question to ask guests and that is what is your favorite theater memory so i mean i don't know if it's my favorite favorite but it's definitely the most meaningful all right two comes to mind but they're of similar things so i wrote a play called madawan in chicago and my whole family came in for it. Uh, the play takes place in New Jersey, and my family's all from New Jersey. All four of my grandparents flew in there, and two of them are, have since passed away. So it was the last time all four of my grandparents were together. And then after the show that everyone came to, my wife and my family and the cast had arranged just to sing happy birthday to me. And like I immediately started crying. I didn't know it was going to happen. And it, I make it sound like, oh, it was about me, but it, it wasn't so much that. It, I think it was just a reminder that theater is getting physical bodies in a room together and just being around each other and celebrating regardless of whether the show is good or not. So that's one. And then similarly, my thesis play was called Sal and Suckling at grad school. And it was a sequel to Lord of the Flies and COVID. It was like March or late February. I can't remember 2020. So we all knew COVID was happening. I think we were all kind of sensing that maybe theater was going to get shut down. Luckily we got to have our whole run. And on the final night, we were all just hugging each other. We went out to a bar and honestly, realistically, we probably should not have from a health perspective, you know, and, but I'm really glad we did because everything got shut down the next day. And so I, I just, and once again, it's not so much the show I'm remembering, but just the act of going out and eating bar food with people afterwards. And the first in-person thing I had after lockdown ended, actually Dina directed, it was just a 10 minute play through the Sam French off, off, off Broadway festival. And I was just reminded about how nice it is to run into people after a show. Like I had, I just had friends, I had some friends there in the lobby, I had some random people there who I didn't know were going to be there. And just like making small talk and saying congratulations in the lobby. I, I think that is just as valuable as whatever you're seeing on stage. And I tried to hold on to that because 
during lockdown, we didn't have that. So even if I'm like feeling, I don't know, surly toward a play, I just saw that I didn't like, I try to remind myself, you know what? You didn't get to do this for like two years. And just that experience of being in the same physical space as other people is so wondrous and, and is what separates theater from a lot of other art forms for me. So sorry, I give like three memories, but just seeing people in the lobby. That's my favorite. That's my favorite theater memory. Always. It's always a good time. I love that though. Wonderful memories. Wonderful memories. Thank you for those. Yeah. Who would like to go next? I can go next. I I work as a as a facilitator of theater workshops in senior centers. And I've been doing this for a few years now. And and every year I'm I'm assigned to a different senior center and so last year I was in Coney Island and the year before I was in Greenpoint in our neighborhood. And it is a really incredible, it's just a really incredible thing to create something with folks who have lived these absolutely incredible lives. And, and the way that I've been working is, is, is really through storytelling prompts and, and collaboratively creating something with them together and and I do a lot of a lot of recording them and then transcribing their words and then editing and weaving them all into this theatrical performance, which I bring professional actors in to either join the senior citizens or sometimes they really don't want to perform. They're very shy and they so that the actors are, are really performing their lives back to them and to an audience. And the first time that I did this, actually, our our second performer in River Watchers, Amanda Bruton, she was part of the the acting ensemble that came in, and it was just the most beautiful experience ever. Just to to see these women receive their their stories through the eyes of these performers and to relive their memories, some of them some of them really joyful, some of them, some of them painful and traumatic, and to really see them experience this huge range of emotions. And they were just so completely surprised by the experience and, and, and how powerful it was from beginning to end, you know, coming in with what, what are we doing? What is this? I have no idea what theater is. Why are we doing this? What's the point? I'm not creative, you know, and then by the end of it, really having this whole experience of, oh, wow, you know, my life, my life means something, you know, like my life means something and, and it's actually resonating with other people too. And so I think those are my favorite theater memories of, of actually introducing communities to theater for the first time and to really really kind of see the impact of of what these communal experiences can can do and can i don't know can like inspire in in other people that is such a lovely memory i love that thank you for sharing that Jens, bringing us yeah, home. what good... is your favorite theater memory uh, yeah it's it's hard i i i've done some senior center stuff like 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 Dina, not it doesn't sound like as good, but yes, powerful. Makes me think of that. Working with young students is it can be really incredible and edifying too. But I'm gonna go back to I'm gonna go back to two little plays that I've done, both both with directors that are 
that are amazingly collaborative. One was Beast on the Moon in Milwaukee with a director named Jim Tassie. A beautiful, beautiful play that I think hasn't hasn't gotten enough intent, attention. Or anyway, it, it did have a New York production at one point, but and then another one called Skin Tight, which was with another favorite director of mine. Drew Frazier in Cincinnati. And it, and both of those were just, they're just like disarmingly emotional plays that talk, after one, after one performance of Skin Tight, we, we came out, we came, the cat, the, the, me and the other woman in the cast came out to the lobby and there, there were, there were still audience members in the bathroom weeping and I, I was just like, I, I, I was just like so honored, I guess, to have been a part of a show that like touched people so deeply that like, and it, it, yeah. And both of them are these like beautiful, beautiful love stories. And so those, those are two, like two theatrical experiences that I'll carry with me my whole life, I'm sure. Those are amazing. I love those memories. In fact, I love all of your memories. Thank you all so much for sharing those. Do any of you have any other projects or productions coming on the pipeline that we might be able to plug for you? I'm doing an uh, I'm doing another another two hander at at, at WP Theater actually uh, as part of their development. I'm not exactly sure exactly like what their thing is, but it, it's a it's a piece called The War Letters. And my colleague and friend and creator, Charlotte Purser, she found, her family found a thousand letters in garbage bags in the attic of her grandma as she was dying from Alzheimer's. And these letters were between her and her husband as he was on the front lines in Europe during World War II. And so it's this correspondence back and forth. And Charlotte has made an amazing piece because her, her mother died of, or grandmother died of Alzheimer's. So the piece starts and you hear these letters and the, and the letters are amazing in themselves just because like each letter not only captures like the war the scope of the war but also like the individual and individual soldiers experience of the war and then also this like real sense of of this lifeline how these letters are like connecting them and they're how they're holding on to each other like surviving for each other so there's already that but when the play starts, you meet them, and they're you think it you, you experience the the husband reading the let reading the letters, writing the letters, and her writing letters from back in Louisiana. But then things like start to glitch, and you start to realize that that she's in a memory care facility, and this man that you thought was her husband is actually just an attendant that is that she has cast as her husband and she's trying to use these letters to hold on to her life and her love. <laughs> and it's just like so beautiful. <laughs> I'm sorry. I get emotional every time I talk about it. Yeah. So yeah. And we're doing that at WP in December. That sounds so beautiful. Oh, I love that. Yeah. 
Thank you. I can chime in as well. I also have something coming up at WP. So that, but that won't be until like around April. So I'm one of the, I'm one of the 15 members of the WP lab for, for 2022 to 2024, which is this incredible cohort of five playwrights, five directors and five producers. And at the end of the two years, there is an incredible festival called the Pipeline Festival, which presents the five projects. And so I am collaborating with the incredible Else C. Went and who is the playwright and the producer Sammy Pine. So our our project, I'm very excited for. I'm not, I can't say much about it at this time, but more to come and and that will be towards the end of April. We are huge fans of the WP Pipeline Festival. We got to see that a couple of years ago and it was amazing. We stumbled on it and I was like, more of this. And I thought it was an every year thing. And so I was looking for it desperately this year and I was like, where is it? Then I found out it was every other year. So I cannot wait to see that in the spring. Wonderful. Can't wait to see you there. Anything for you, Dan? Yeah. So I have a production of my play, The Amphibians. It's going up at Weber State University in Ogden, Utah. It's also about environmentalism in its own kind of way and involves a lot of spectacle. Yeah, really excited about that. And we actually have our first production meeting later today. And then I'm also in the civilians R&D group with a project of mine called The Tusk Hunters, which I, we, we haven't set on dates yet, but they'll, we'll present some kind of public showing of that in June. And that is about looking for woolly mammoth ivory and de-extincting woolly mammoth. So, and it's also tied to climate change in its own kind of way. So yeah, but at the beginnings of both of those things, but I'm very excited to get started on them. Very cool. Very exciting stuff. Well, it sounds like there's lots of projects going on, which is exciting. And that's going to lead to my final question, which is if our listeners want more information about River Watchers or about any of you, perhaps they'd like to reach out to you, how can they do so? For the show, uh, the best the best thing to do is to visit the Motor Company's website, which is www.themotorcompanynyc.com. And and you know, though tickets are sold out, we do have our waitlist that is up and running and active that we will be pulling from in case of cancellations, which will happen. So we're really excited about that, and we are also excited to invite folks in for some test audiences and dress runs because this is a show that is so dependent on the audience in terms of both like our our paddling power and and the speed at which we we will move as well as the audience interaction element of the show we're really exciting excited to get folks in and and really start working in rehearsal with folks who maybe normally wouldn't have been able to see the show otherwise because because of how fast it sold out so if you are interested in in being part of a test audience, we encourage you to email info at themotorcompanynyc.com. And you can learn more about my individual writing at dancaffreywrites.com. And I have a website too. It's jensrasmussen.info. My website is www.dinabovsi.com. Nice. <laughs> the only one. <laughs> Love all that. Well, Dina, Dan, and Jens, Thank you so much for taking the time today to speak with me about your incredible show, your incredible experience, really, and sharing just everything you have today. I really appreciate it. So thank you for your time today. 
Thank you. Cool. Thank you, Andrew. My guests today have been Dina Vovsi, the co-creator and director, Dan Caffrey, the co-creator and playwright, and Jens Rasmussen, the co-creator, performer, and canoe consultant, all who are with the Motor Company's presentation of River Watchers, playing October 19th through 29th in Newtown Creek. Tickets and information are available at themotorcompanynyc.com. We also have some contact information for our guests, which we'll be listing in our episode description and social media posts. But right now, with tickets being sold out, if you want to get on the cancellation list, if you want to get on those preview lists, head over to themotorcompanynyc.com. Send them an email at info at themotorcompanynyc.com. Get on that list. You're going to want to check out this inspiring and fascinating story. And who doesn't love a show on the river? Let's get real here. It's River Watchers playing October 19th through the 29th. So until next time, I'm Andrew Cortez reminding you to turn off your cell phones. Unwrap your candies. And keep talking about the theater. In a stage whisper. Thank you. If you like what you hear please leave a five-star review like and subscribe you can also find us on facebook and instagram at stage whisper pod and feel free to reach out to us with your comments and personal stories at stagewhisperpod at gmail.com and be sure to check out our brand new website for all things stage whisper and theater you'll be able to find merchandise tours tickets and more simply visit stagewhisperpod.com Our theme song is Maniac by Jazzar. Other music on this episode provided by Jazzar and Billy Murray. You can also become a patron of our show by logging on to patreon.com slash stagewhisperpod. There you will find all the information about our backstage pass as well as our tip jar. Thank you so much for your generosity. We could not do this show without you.